0: Our text this evening is found from Second Peter, but I would like to read a passage from First Corinthians, First Corinthians 1 verses 18, and then I read through two verse five. First Corinthians 1, beginning at verse 18. the power of God, and the wisdom of God. And because the foolishness of God is wiser than men, and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For ye see your calling, brethren, how that not many wise men after the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God hath chosen the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. And God hath chosen the weak things of the world to confound the things which are mighty. And the base things of the world And the things which are despised hath God chosen, yea, and the things which are not, to bring to naught the things that are, that no flesh should glory in his presence. But but of him are ye in Christ Jesus, whom of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption, that according as it is written, he that glorieth, let him glory in the Lord. And I, brethren... When I came to you, came not with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I, dec- I determined not to know anything among you, save Jesus Christ and him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. We conclude our reading from 1 Corinthians. And at this time, I'm only going to read our text in 2 Peter. 2 Peter 1, and our text this evening is verses 12 through 15. Wherefore, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, though ye know them, and be established in the present truth. Yea, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. Moreover, I will endeavor that ye may be able, after my decease, to have these things always and remembrance <clears throat> beloved in our lord jesus christ we have here in second peter a more personal section of the epistle the apostle writes to churches that he knows well. He says that he knows that they are established in the present truth. Later on in the chapter, he says that he made known unto them the power and coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. He had been with these churches. He had preached to these churches the gospel. He had seen these churches since their infancy. And now he writes this epistle "...to these churches, and he knew them well. He could could picture their faces as he wrote this epistle. He could think of their names. And indeed, they were very dear to him, these these recipients of his letter. Toward the end of the epistle, many times he speaks to them as his beloved. They were dear unto him. He loved them. And he cared about them deeply." And he was going to stir them up. It was his purpose to stir them up in remembrance of these things. Now you have to see that although this is a personal section, you would say, of the epistle, it's no less important. Some men read through this section and they... They kind of dismiss it and throw it off to the wayside as something that's not instructive for the churches. But what they miss is that the apostle vibrates and shakes with urgency as he speaks the words of this text. He resonates. He's, he says, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. I think it meets as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. And then, moreover, I will endeavor that after my decease, you should always have these things in remembrance. There's there's an urgency that weighs down upon the apostle. And it was the apostle's determination that they should know these things. And these things, you have to see, are is all the instruction that he has given thus far in 2 Peter. All that he has said from verse 1 through verse 11. These things I will have you know and I will have you in remembrance of these things. I'm going to stir you up in remembrance of these things and I'm going to endeavor that you know these things even after I'm gone and depart from this world. He shakes with a zeal that the church should know these things. And what that is, is that is the mind of Christ for it's the mind of Christ to put His church in remembrance of these things. And it's the mind of the Spirit of Christ to put the church in remembrance of these things. And therefore it is the The mind of the church, the true church of Jesus Christ, that the church should know these things, and knowing these things, she she should be put in remembrance of them. So we take as the theme of our sermon this evening, putting you in remembrance. Consider first the need for this. Secondly, the, the one doing this. And then finally, the continuance of this, putting you in remembrance of these things. The apostle is resonating with energy and urgency. And you ask, well, why is that? What explains that? And to understand why the apostle is so worked up, you have to settle on that word truth. Truth explains this text and truth explains the urgency of the apostle and why he will not be negligent to put you in remembrance. For that truth is Jesus Christ. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Christ, in whom God was pleased to reveal all of his glory in the, the life of his delightful covenant, Christ who became flesh and dwelt among us and men beheld his glory, full of grace and truth. Christ is the truth of God as the Son of God, as the eternally begotten one of the Father. Christ is the truth as he reveals God, as he he makes known who God is. He is the one who reveals that God is a righteous judge who is merciful and gracious, long-suffering, abundant in goodness and truth, forgiving sins and iniquities and transgressions and by no means will acquit the guilty. Christ is the revelation of God as a righteous judge. Christ is the revelation of a God who has delighted in a people. To make blessed as he is blessed, and to raise up into his own life. Christ is the revelation of God, who is our salvation and who accomplishes that salvation without any willing and doing of man. And by that, according to that, offers himself without spot or blemish and gives of his body as a sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins and presents that himself to the Father. Christ is the revelation of God, a faithful covenant-keeping God, and it's that truth that stirs up the apostle. Yet he does not only speak of truth, he speaks of these things. I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, I will stir you up by putting you in remembrance, and then I will endeavor that ye may be after able after my decease to have these things in remembrance. And what you have to understand is that when he says these things, he's referring to sound doctrine that makes that truth of Jesus Christ known. That's what chapter 1 has been so far. Sound doctrine that teaches you the truth of Jesus Christ. That's what these things are. Sound doctrine. That sound doctrine is the the truth that you have corruption by nature that is in the world through lust. That all you have to yourself is a depraved nature, a a lustful nature that has an appetite for anything and everything that is not God. And then that, that, that nature is held down in corruption by the righteous judgment of God. So that there is no escape from lusts. And that's what you have. That's what you have of yourself. That's sound doctrine. That sound doctrine too is verses 3 and 4, which expound the gracious, full, and complete salvation that God's people have in Jesus Christ All you have is corruption and lust. But God, according to His rich and good pleasure, has given you all things. And He gives you all things by His power. He fills you with all of His own fullness. He makes you partakers of Himself by engrafting you into Jesus Christ so that you lack nothing. And there's nothing you must do for that salvation. It's all been freely bestowed and given unto you. That sound doctrine, that full and complete salvation. And that sound doctrine too is the godly life of the believer as that comes to manifestation in this life. Because Christ dwells in you richly, Because Christ himself is virtue and knowledge and temperance and patience and godliness and brotherly kindness and charity. And he dwells in you. Now out of that flows a godly life. That's sound doctrine. That's what the apostle is teaching here. And then two, sound doctrine is verses 8 and 9. The truths of election and reprobation. There are some who are given to Christ and there are others who are not given to Christ. Some, according to God's wisdom and good pleasure, have the fullness of Christ in them which is not barren and not unfruitful so that they're they're made manifest in this world as knowing, truly knowing Christ, as having Christ's fullness and Christ's power in them. And then you have those who hear the same gospel and hear the same truths and yet cannot produce anything because Christ is not in them. They have not been given. That sound doctrine, the doctrine of election and reprobation. And then too, as we considered this morning, that sound doctrine is the truth of God's assurance of his, to his people. He tells them He graciously makes known unto them that they are the sons of God. And he does that by giving them the gospel, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that relationship between the truth of Jesus Christ and these things, the apostle himself establishes in verse 12. He says, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. And keep in mind, when I say these things, I'm talking about the sound doctrine that the apostle has just proclaimed. I will put you always in remembrance of th- these things, though you know them, and be established in the present truth. That relationship is established there. The truth who is Jesus Christ in the sound doctrine that makes that truth of Christ known. Yep, we haven't gotten to why the apostle is, st- is so urgent And what you have to see is he knows, he truly knows the efficacy, the living and powerful efficacy of sound doctrine. He, he begins verse 12, which is the first verse of our text with the word "Wherefore," which establishes a relationship between our text. And what we considered this morning. And what we considered this morning was that promise that you have an abundant entrance ministered unto you into the everlasting kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And then he says, Wherefore I will not be negligent to put you in remembrance. So, what you see, what the apostle is saying here, is it's sound doctrine, sound doctrine which reveals the truth of Christ, which ministers that entrance into the kingdom of heaven. Sound doctrine carries you to heaven. And sound doctrine gives you every blessing on your way to heaven. You can look through chapter one. And all the blessings that are listed, the apostle says, grace and peace be multiplied to you. That's multiplied to you through sound doctrine. And that you're given all things that pertain unto a godly life through sound doctrine. And then, to all those things that are listed, virtue and knowledge and temperance and patience, all those things are given to you through sound doctrine. Your assurance that you are a child of God is given to you through sound doctrine. The apostle knows the efficacy of that sound doctrine. For that sound doctrine reveals the truth. And Peter knew the truth. He heard the truth. He saw the truth. He touched the truth. He saw the truth do marvelous and powerful things. He knew the efficacy of that truth. And that's why he's so stirred up to put the church in remembrance of sound doctrine. That sound doctrine brings you to heaven, it's powerful. It's efficacious, and it ministers an entrance into the kingdom. Not only that, Peter also knows the church's own impotency. He speaks of the church's frailty in her weakness, he does that by referring to his life as a tabernacle, knowing that shortly I must put off this, my tabernacle. Peter looks at his life. And you have to understand, tabernacle there is not just your earthly body. It is that. But tabernacle there is all of the earthly relationships that you have. And all the earthly knowing that you have. And he, he sees that as really a tent that you can pitch one day and that's rolled up the next day. All of the relationships that you have, all of your labor and all of your leisure, all of the work that you have to do, those, all those things, all the connections that you have in this world, that's all a tent. It's a tent that's pitched and then rolled up. And that's because all flesh is grass. Man rises up with strength and vigor and then he wastes away in a day. Man has no lasting strength, no power, but the truth, the truth endures forever. And then too, he talks, the apostle talks about His decease. In verse 15, I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease. What he's talking about there is his departure. His departure from this life. And Peter's going somewhere. Just as all men are going somewhere, when, when their tabernacle is rolled up, they depart. And those who are in this world, and those who are under corruption, and those who, are under the power and bondage of lusts, they depart, they go into everlasting corruption, everlasting death, whereas weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, their, their eternal lot is ever more desolation. Think about how terrible that is. You're empty and you eat you you continually become more empty and more desolate and more wasted they pine away under the wrath of God that's where men depart by nature that's where men go what you need is sound doctrine what you need is sound doctrine that reveals the truth and gives you an entrance into the everlasting kingdom so you do not waste and pine away, but you are filled, ever filled with blessing, ever filled with the fullness of God's table. And in your belly is a, a, a fountain of life. And that comes through sound doctrine. That's why the apostles stirred up. And then churches, the church shows her impotency in those words. I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up. Who needs to be stirred up? Those who sleep, those who have fallen asleep. Peter saying, "I'm going to put these things, the sound doctrine in remembrance, to wake you up. For the church lives in a world of darkness. And she can hear the preaching of the gospel and resonate with delight in that gospel and speak freely about the things that she's heard. And then she goes to work on Monday. And she picks up her labor. She starts to conduct all of her affairs in the world. She counts her money. She amuses herself. And then her eyelids start to droop and her breathing gets heavy and her head nods. Wake up! I'm going to wake you up by putting you in remembrance of sound doctrine. You have a lust that's attracted to this world of darkness that ever put you to sleep. Wake up! It will not be negligent to stir you up with sound doctrine. And not only that, but the church has all of her enemies. She has Satan working to devise cunning fables and damnable heresies that seek to steal away the truth from the church and to lead the church away from the, the power of that sound doctrine That's what the church needs. She doesn't need more lectures about how to manage money. She doesn't need more lectures about how to have a better family. She doesn't need, she certainly does not need testimonies from men who don't even agree with her in doctrine. She does not need to be involved in all sorts of social affairs and social community improvements. No, she needs sound doctrine. She needs the truth to be shown that truth. So what is it? What is it? What's at the heart when the apostle says, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. It's this. I am determined to know nothing among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. You need nothing else. That's all I'm going to bring to you. That's the focus. That's the heart. And that's the delight of all of my work in all of my labor as an apostle, I'm, going, I'm determined to know nothing among you than the perfection of Christ's work and the power of what he has accomplished by his sacrifice. And what's, what the apostle gives here is prescriptive for the church church of Jesus Christ, it's, he says, I think it meet, as long as I am in this tabernacle, to stir you up. I think it meet, the literal reading of that is, it, I consider it a righteous thing to stir you up. This is what's pleasing to God. This is what his son desires. To put you in remembrance of sound doctrine and to keep bringing sound doctrine to you. That's right for the church. That's that's what the church is called to do. And notice this. I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. Though ye know them, the apostle takes for granted that the church knows this stuff already. You could say that the church had been catechized She had been already taught, instructed, sound doctrine. The members of the church had memorized sound doctrine. And they knew it. The heart of all of our catechism instruction is this. I'm determined to know sound doctrine among you, so that you know it, and then knowing it to put you in remembrance of it. I will not be negligent. Anything else for the church in all of her labors is negligence. What's right is in the church in the exercise of her powers to, to have as the heart of its teaching Jesus Christ and Him crucified in her ministry of the Word, in her exercise of Christian discipline, in her distribution of Christ's alms. All Sound doctrine is, is the basis for all of that work in anything else is negligence. In negligence, negligence is wicked rebellion against the Lord of the church. And the man who does not put the church in remembrance of these things will have the judge of, world, the Lord of His church to answer to. I will not be negligent and I, as long as I am in this tabernacle, I will stir you up always incessantly. I'm not going to stop doing it. As long as I am in this tabernacle and the Lord gives me breath, I'm going to put sound doctrine. I'm going to bring it to you. I'm not going to stop doing it until I'm dead. And you can see why the apostle resonates with urgency. He knows over against the church's own impotency, the power of sound doctrine. Now, who is the one who puts in remembrance? It's not a foolish question. Peter does say, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. I think it meet as long as I am in this tabernacle to stir you up, and I will endeavor. And indeed, there was a historical reality where Peter went to the churches and taught them sound doctrine. And there was a historical reality where Peter wrote this epistle Yet the one who puts in remembrance is not Peter. The one who puts in the remembrance is Jesus Christ, the shepherd and bishop of his church. For first of all, notice this, the church had been established, verse 12, in the present truth. They had been established in that truth. They had been made one with that truth. They had been engrafted into that truth. And being rooted in Him, being rooted in Him, though they are flesh, yet they possess everlasting life. Though they are foolish, yet He is the wisdom of God. And though they may encounter many foes, He has defeated all of His foes. They have been established in that truth, and that truth is the one who puts them in remembrance. And He does that By his Spirit, consider what Christ says in John 14. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things, and bring all things to your remembrance, whatsoever I have said unto you. It's the Spirit who puts in remembrance it's the Spirit who, who makes that truth the present truth. That, how you have to understand that word present is not present truth as distinguished from past truth and future truth. No, it's the truth that is very near unto you. Yeah, it's the truth that has come into your own heart. And that's the Spirit. The Spirit bring Christ unto you through sound doctrine, And it is the Spirit whom Christ sends to equip men to declare that sound doctrine unto you. Where there is a man, where there is a man who is actually determined to teach you these things, and then to put you in remembrance of these things, and then to stir you up in remembrance of these things, and then to endeavor to that you know these things after his decease, there is the work of the Spirit to the natural man. That's foolishness. I know them. You've told me that already. Give me something new. Give me a 10-step program for how to improve my life or give me some instruction for how I can be a better personal evangelist. I don't need this sound. That's the natural man. To have a man who shakes and resonates so that in all of his labor in the church, he's determined to do this. In his his preaching, to actually look at the passage and say, where is Christ and him crucified in this passage so that I may bring him out and expound him for the people. That is the work of the Spirit. That is Christ's gift to his church. A marvelous gift. A rare gift. Think about... All the prophets that were in the land of Israel. Ahab had hundreds of them. And in all of his courts, there was one faithful prophet, Micaiah. That's, that's Christ's gift. Do not despise his instruction, do not despise his correction, do not despise his intent and desire to put you in remembrance. For that is Christ's work by his Spirit. And then, too, the Spirit of the risen Lord Jesus Christ is pleased to put you in remembrance of these things through the creeds. The Spirit led. The RPC does not teach that the Spirit inspired the creeds. The Spirit led the churches to grip this sound doctrine that the Apostle taught, to take hold of it, and to have the churches to know it, especially in light of the controversies that came to the church. You had, for example, the controversy with the Armenians who came up with their own imagination of what election was that God, based on some foreseen things, um, could see the good things that you do or the good choices that you would make, and because of what you would do, He chose you. And the Father's led of the Spirit said, no, the truth of election is right here. And we're going to expound that truth in in the canon so that the church can have it in remembrance and be stirred up We can be thankful. It's rebellious to despise those creeds and the instruction that's given by those creeds. We can be thankful to God for his establishing that, that love of creedal instruction in our churches over against those who would do away with it. And then, too, you need to see this. I want you to see this. You have here, with what the the apostle says here, that he will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things, and he's going to stir you up in remembrance of these things, the injunction for Heidelberg Catechism preaching, that's biblical, and that's right here. Consider the, the three sections of the Heidelberg Catechism and put them on 2 Peter 1. How great my sins and miseries are. That I must know, that I may live and die happily. And here Peter says, you by nature have corruption that is in the world through lust. And then I must know how how I am delivered from my misery. And that's what Peter establishes here. God gives you all things through the perfect work of Jesus Christ and through His own glorious virtue. And He fills you with all that Christ has obtained by His perfect work. And then the third section, how I might show my gratitude for such a deliverance, that's right here. Out of all the good things that God fills you with, live a godly life that's pleasing to Him. The catechism is right here. And so that answers any objections that we may encounter in our history and in the future against the Heidelberg. It's not biblical. It's right here. It's what the apostle is determined to do in the churches and will not stop doing. That also answers what we will certainly encounter That we need more practical preaching. Pastor, you give to us good sound doctrine, but we need something new. No! You need nothing but sound doctrine. That's what I'm going to teach you. And that's what I'm going to keep teaching you. And until I'm dead, that's what I'm going to speak to you. That's what ministers an entrance into the kingdom. For that sound doctrine reveals the truth. Who is Jesus Christ? Beloved, the Lord Jesus Christ will continue to do that. Look how certain Peter is in verse 15. I will endeavor that ye may be able after my decease to have these things always in remembrance. Always in remembrance. Peter there are, there's a horde of false prophets ready to descend upon the church and to bring in their heresies. Peter, there's the raging of the gates of hell. And Christ has kept his church in remembrance of these things for 2,000 years because it doesn't depend on man. We've seen that. It does not depend on man to put you in remembrance. It depends on the shepherd and bishop of your soul who through his spirit is pleased to raise up men who will continue to be raised up until the end when the false church has given her moment to put the church out of existence. There will always be, there may not always be in Indiana or Michigan, but there will always be for the church, those to put you in remembrance. They may push by persecution the church, but Christ will see to it that the church always has these things in remembrance. For he has promised, and he is faithful who has promised, and she shall never fall, but an abundant entrance shall be ministered unto you, into the everlasting kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the truth. This truth is why the apostle resignates, resonates with delight and desire and fervor to put these things in remembrance, this sound doctrine. For he knows power of that sound doctrine to bring a people to heaven. And thanks be to God for his putting us too in remembrance. Amen. Your heavenly Father, we thank thee for thy truth. Thy word is truth. We thank thee that Though we would go astray having itching ears and finding to ourselves teachers who could fill us with the words that we want to hear, words that would puff us up and speak to us sound words, thou hast kept us in thy truth and in thy word. Be pleased, Father, to preserve us by that word and to bring that word faithfully week by week service by service. For it is thy rich gift to those whom thou dost love and those whom thou hast chosen to sit at thy table and to sup with thee. Father, forgive us of our folly. We long for a full and final perfection, deliverance from the corruption that we have. And the lust that we have, bring that quickly. Bring the kingdom of our Lord Jesus Christ. And these things do we pray. In Christ's name do we pray. Amen.